Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. So to claim your one month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash being freelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for designer Caitlin McAvoy. I'm very fortunate that my full-time job is very flexible. So when there's downtimes, if I say I'm incredibly busy freelance-wise, they're like, okay, just do it quietly here. Just don't tell anybody. For me, freelancing isn't a case of I want to get really rich. It's a case of freelancing is my fallback option so that there's always money saved for the rainy day. And I was like, you know what? My mental health is a huge thing for me. And I know other people struggle with it, but it wasn't a massively open conversation before like it is now. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something good with it, put my experience out there as well and see if it helps other people. Yes, and there is Caitlin, who I met at the IPSI, which is the Association of the Independent Professionals and Self-Employed here in the UK. So they support freelancers, basically. They had an event called National Freelancers Day in 2018 that I went to. They had a thing called the Freelancer Showcase, and I went up there, and they had all these different freelancers doing different things, and one of them was Caitlin, except for actually when I first got to Caitlin's table, she wasn't there, and there were just these T-shirts, and I really loved the designs on them. And then later on, I came back, and I was chatting to her and from my voice she went you're the podcast guy aren't you (laughs) rumbled and anyway she was telling me about why she was making these t-shirts and no doubt she'll tell us in a moment but it's it's a great story and actually speaking of the ipsy event national freelancers day if you're in the uk in 2019 in june i think it is the tickets have already gone on sale for that event and at the moment you can get them an absolute bargain as in don't quote me on this but it's something like 20 quid for the super early bird thing if you remember it's free anyway but yeah you know the super super early bird type prices it's a bargain of a day and i'm going to be there we're going to be doing the podcast live again next summer in london so you can come along to that and also i'm going to be doing a session on how to start your own podcast for your freelance business so if you fancy that amongst loads of other great speakers (laughs) it's not just me and of course the awards in the evening and stuff anyway I'll tell you what, take a look at the show notes for this page at beingfreelance.com and I'll put a link through to National Freelancers Day if you haven't already Googled it. While you're at beingfreelance.com, of course, there's articles and the vlog and plenty more besides, so do take a look there. Right now, though, let's hear what Caitlin has to say. She's based in Nottingham right here in the UK. Freelance designer Caitlin McAvoy. Hey, Caitlin. Hello, and thank you for saying my last name right first go. (laughs) How else do people say it? McEvoy. I get that. I get some people just skip the E out and say McCoy or McVoy or make some kind of pun off it. So I'm normally I'm like some kind of Chris brand. <laughs> well, let's hear how you got started being freelance. That's quite a long story now. And it goes back to maybe when I was 10 or 11. So we're talking about 17 years ago. My brother started doing web design at a very young age as well. He's a couple of years older than me. And this was back in the day where Fireworks and Dreamweaver were a big thing for web design, but the internet wasn't really a massive thing. So everybody learned whatever they could from 
textbooks and stuff. So there are always these massive books lying around. And I just thought what he's doing was somewhat interesting. I had no idea what it was. So I kind of learned bits and pieces from him where you kind of code from scratch, which nobody ever seems to do anymore. And I will point out that my brother doesn't have a creative bone in his body. So I have no idea how he managed to get into it either. But somehow I managed to fast to succeed him and he doesn't do it anymore anyway but graphics was always my favorite subject at school it was something that I was very easily tailored towards and when it came to doing GCSE graphics it's probably where I really found what I was interested in and we had to design like a 3D novelty calculator and it was very heavily influenced by American sport and that's where like my sort of design style comes from and I realized very early on that American culture is where my style is but I didn't study design at uni I knew a couple people who did and they still can't get a job in it at all so I decided that if I was going to do it I was just going to do it on my own so I went to uni and I did something else completely but still wound up in design anyway. So what did you do at uni? Um, American studies. <laughs> While you were there were you continuing to do design work? Oh yeah I was designing stuff like on the side I had clients in America who were coming to me that I have no idea how they found me and then I did a lot of like art related modules at uni and there was always a case where you needed to give a presentation or something and I would always go to town on it and it would be really well designed and people would love it. I can't I can't tell you if the content was any good, but they seem to love the design of it. <laughs> so suddenly you've said, yeah, I had clients in America. And so it feels like we, we stepped, like when did you first get your first freelance client then in that? I think it was probably before I even went to uni. So probably about 16 and you, you get friends of family who are like, oh yeah, I know, you know, your daughter does design and they're really good. Can they just do me this quick thing for me and it always escalates from a quick thing and that's kind of how it all starts and it's like a friend of a friend or word of mouth and like I started before like again the internet was a huge thing so it was a lot easier to get yourself out there so word of mouth has always been my main port of call really. What, what happened when you finished then? I was in my final year of uni and one of my friends on my course had taken over as editor of the student newspaper and he was like, it's an absolute mess. We need somebody to come in and design it for us because I've got no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. And then I really got into it. And then at the end of kind of the academic year, shall we say, they run a student union awards and um, there was a media awards that night. And I was sat on the top table with the deputy editor of the Hull Daily Mail newspaper because I was based in Hull. And he was like our guest of honour that night. And he was like, oh, what, what are your plans after uni? I'm like, well, I'm going to go and be a teacher. And he said, don't, don't do it. That's wasted. We've got a job. You should come in and do it for us. And I was like, oh, okay, then. So the local paper guy is sitting on the table with you at an awards for a paper that you reluctantly designed and offers you a job. Yeah. Amazing. So you took it? Yeah, of course I took it. And, and what happened then? I worked there for about three and a half years and the company gradually got bigger and bigger. And, you know, newspapers and print are struggling a lot recently. And um, the company that the whole Daily Mail was owned by got bought out by a bigger company called Trinity Mirror who basically run like the Mirror and they just bought the Sun and Daily Express and stuff so they're expanding massively but it came to a point about two two and a half years ago where they wanted to relocate all of creative to Manchester but I didn't want to move to Manchester so I was facing redundancy 
and they saved my job anyway but I left because I felt like I'd done everything I could do and I took some clients with me um, which are still some clients today but yeah that's how long I was there and how it ended up being. When you were designing at the paper what were you designing? It started off as ad work and then I have this tendency of getting very bored very easily when stuff comes <laughs> very repetitive and I remember sitting down with my manager one day and I said look I know I've only been here six months but I'm really bored <laughs> and he said well what do you want me to do and I said well can I have some like editorial work and then I like one day a week or so I was supposed to be set on doing editorial work which is like doing the front page the layouts web stuff and um, then that ended up becoming more of my full-time role and so that then became my specialty and um, print kind of just never left me even though it is a dying art so you evolved your skills by openly saying you're bored so when you said you took clients with you who yeah um so I was still doing advertising work for some of the bigger corporate clients one or two of them have reached out to me before redundancy was even on the cards and said to me okay we've got x y and z that needs doing would you be interested in doing it outside of work and I said well yeah of course why not and you know the money was good and the experience was good and these were like really good clients to have to really build up my portfolio so when I said oh we're going through redundancy and I don't really know the state of where I'll be job-wise or where I'll be location-wise. What can you offer me? And one or two said, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you on the books. You know, you're a really good worker. Why would we not want to work with you? And one or two just decided, now we'll stick with who we've got because they're cheaper. So choosing to leave when, when redundancy was on the card, that's when you finally find yourself like full-time freelance? Or did you go to one of those companies and continue to freelance on the side? I was freelancing on the side. I applied for jobs here, there and everywhere in Nottingham because my family is based here. And I was, to put it frankly, incredibly miserable in Hull and my mental health was really struggling. So I had to do what was best for me, which revolved in relocating and taking on a job that had a lot less pressure. But I'm actually very thankful for that because it gives me a lot more flexibility and free time now to dedicate myself to doing the freelance side of work. Uh-huh. So the, so the job that you left after that is what, where you are now? Yes, it is, yeah. And how long ago was that? Two years ago this month. So how much of your, your time then is split between like your full-time role and freelance work? I'm very fortunate that my full-time job is very flexible. So when there's down times, down periods, when they do get quiet times every now and then, if I say I'm incredibly busy freelance wise, they're like, okay, just do it quietly here. Just don't tell anybody. I'd rather you did your other work here that kept you busy than you look for another job, which is great. But because it's so flexible, I come into the office at seven and I leave at three and then I get to go home and I've got a couple of hours easy in the early afternoon and evening to get some extra work done without actually losing so much of my night that I would have to myself I think a lot of people listening will be going well that that employer sounds like incredible <laughs> like you're obviously very open with them though just as you were with your previous boss when you were like yeah I get bored can I do something else please yeah I think that's the only way to do it I mean whether it's full-time employment or you know you're freelance I think you've got to be as open as possible because they are trusting you with a service and you don't want to rip them off or lead them on to say that you can do something when you can't I think there's it goes two ways there's got to be some kind of open communication there and as far as that freelance work 
goes that you're you know doing in the early afternoons or in between stuff where is that work coming from is it still word of mouth or a lot of the time it is word of mouth I've still got a lot of clients that are based up in Hull but they don't really care where I am in the world as to as long as the work gets done there's been some clients that I've had that I've lost previously who are like well if you're not based in the same city as we are then we don't want to use you and it's the same as when you look at jobs that are like freelance or advertisers freelance they still want you to go into their office of work and I'm like that's just not what it's about that's not for me Mm. you mentioned you get very bored very easily when things get repetitive so how are you managing that? Is is it because you've got the balance of full-time and freelance or or have you got lots of side projects or hobbies or like how, how are you stopping yourself getting bored? I've got many side projects. So one side project is just the general freelance. The other side project is my company, District 23, which focuses on, it's a clothing company, but it focuses on um, promoting the positive sides of mental health and how, you know, it's okay not to be okay and really trying to change people's perceptions on what mental health is. So that's one avenue. But, you know, in the last maybe year or two, I've really tried to work harder on getting a work-life balance. So I've put my mental health first which means saying no to certain things and having a bit more of a life which isn't always easy but it's a challenge and I'm trying to do better with it so your clothing so district 23 and we'll put a link at beingfreelance.com you do the designs but you you're like you're doing everything yeah I do it all so originally when it started it was kind of more of an experiment and a playground to learn new skills because I was incredibly bored in the uh, in my job so I was learning stuff about screen printing and how to set up shops and kind of figuring out how to ship things and learning a whole different side to a business that I didn't know about before and then I did a master's distance learning actually a couple years ago on top of all of my other things because you know incredibly bored And one of the modules in my master's actually allowed me to take District 23 and dedicate a good six months to it and really develop it into what I wanted it to be. So it became less of a place for um, experimentation and screen printing. And it became more about, okay, what, what am I passionate about? What do I think the world needs? Or what do I think the niche is in clothing? And I was like, you know what, my mental health is a huge thing for me. And I know other people struggle with it, but it wasn't a massively open conversation before like it is now. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something good with it and put my experience out there as well and see if it helps other people. That's so cool. So it sounds like you don't mind talking about it. So what like, what was your situation and how did you find work like helping you or, or I guess hindering you? Because it sounds like you figured out how to make changes for the for the positive. Yeah, um, I went through just a really rough few years, actually. And like this has probably been going on about 10 years or so now. And I think when my signs first were noticed, I was about 16. And you go to a doctor and you're a teenage girl and they're like, oh, no, it's, it's hormonal. You'll be fine here. Just take something and you'll be fine. And then when I got to my end of my second year of uni, I was really, really down. I had no no real reason to be other than, you know, general life stress and family drama, but nothing that no normal person would not deal with. But I just couldn't cope with it. And my brother was struggling as well with really bad anxiety. So when it got to about the beginning of my third year, I was like, you know what, I really need to do something about this. 
and I went to a doctor and they gave me one of these tests to fill out, filled it out. And they go, yeah, you're quite severely depressed. How have you not been diagnosed beforehand? So I did some therapy and did some medication, which I've been on way too long, apparently. So about two weeks ago, they took me off my medication and said, yeah, you don't need that anymore. So um, you can you can be a grown up and deal with life stresses on your own. So this is a whole new learning curve for me. <laughs> Jeez, uh, the, the way you say, it, yeah, apparently I've been on it too long. So, so they don't keep an eye on. Well, no. Apparently, if you're like depressed or you've got anxiety or something, they tr- supposedly they treat you for a year, and that's kind of the time frame they give you to get yourself together or level yourself out. And I'd been treated with medication for six years, and they said, yeah, the reason you're probably feeling the way you do now, which is more anxious, very sleep deprived. And a bunch of other things is they said, you know what, you're probably actually hindering yourself now and you don't need to be on it. So try it without it. And there's good things and bad things that have come with it. So my production rate's gone up, but I'm exhausted. It's just now learning how to, you know, level things out yourself. And that's like putting work life balance and even more so making sure I get that as best as I can. It sounds like you're deliberately trying to switch off work after a certain time because you said about working in the after, you know afternoons yeah I try to I say I try emphasis on try by like eight o'clock in the evening I want to be done and dusted I don't want to touch my phone I don't want to read an email I don't want anything to do with technology <laughs> I just want to go to bed how have you found like using social media you know a lot of us feel that we we need to get on there for our businesses but and obviously you're promoting one as well uh, with district 23 but then also there's a sense of community there and like has it been good or bad or i think for me i find social media a double-edged sword in that it's great like you said the community is out there but i think it's also just from a design perspective incredibly difficult because everybody seems to be copying each other now and I've had a couple designs of mine ripped off in the past and I know a few other designers have as well so as great as it is to kind of have a very up-to-date portfolio through something like Instagram it's also very negative because you end up comparing yourself to other people or you need to copy somebody else or you're following trends and you eventually lose a part of yourself So it's making sure that social media doesn't run your life. It's more that you run your social media. When people have ripped off your designs, is that something you've then had to chase or you've just sort of parked and shrugged off? Sometimes I shrug it off. It depends how much of a copy it is. Other times I've just gone to them directly and said, you know what, that's not right. You either take it down and redesign it or you pay me um, some kind of fee for using it and in the end they just end up taking it down because they don't want to pay me money is that companies by the way or other designers there's been one or two designers who have done it and then there's like smaller companies who have very clearly ripped it off because it's a local thing so you notice it very easily like i had one company was a hostel that i designed for and then they closed down and another hostel went into the same building and they pretty much just ripped off the entire logo and it's like you might even try to make yourself look like a different business. So from a financial point of view, you know, I often say, you know, if, you know, how do you cope with the financial side of being freelance? Has it not been such an issue for you because you, you know, you do it on the side? So, so there's a degree of security there. Yeah, I've never I would never say I'm money focused as much as I would love loads of money. It, I don't think it would make me any happier or change what I was doing in my life work wise. 
I will say I do declare, I do my taxes, I do everything by the book, but it is incredibly stressful when they maybe see it as a, they see it as a second income but they think you're going to earn more than you've actually said you're going to earn and for me freelancing isn't a case of I want to get really rich it's a case of being a graphic designer as a day job it doesn't pay enough to make ends meet so freelancing is my fallback option so that there's always money saved for the rainy day or for whatever's needed I can do it whether that's updating tech kit with new computers and stuff that's what my freelance work pays for. Have you because I used to freelance on the side for quite a long time before I, I did it full time. You know, my freelance money went into my personal account. Like, do, do you do that or have you approached it more business wise than I did? It goes it goes into my personal account. But then as soon as it goes in, it goes out and goes into a savings account. Ah, you see. Yeah, yeah smart. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the way to do it. And do you then think, okay, this bit is for tax or, or are you like putting it there and think you don't touch it till the end of the year or are you? I try not to touch it until the end of the year. And if I do need to touch it, I'm like, okay, I need to be aware of how much I'm going to have to owe the tax man. So I try to make sure I've got a bit of reserve, but really I, I try, definitely try not to touch it at all until that end of April and it's all squared away. God, that must be quite nice. That's like being paid like a bonus at the end of the year. Yes, let's look at it like that. It's a bonus. Yeah. I know you're working and you're, you, but, but like, you're like, okay, I'm going to try and, oh man. Although that's like when I buy sweets for Christmas and I think, yeah, those will be nice for Christmas. And then like by the end of November, I've eaten them all. It's like, it's like when you go to the cinema and you buy popcorn and you think, oh, I'll make this last until the end of the film. And it's gone before the film's even started. <laughs> yeah. So I admire, I admire the willpower of putting that to one side. So you trade as yourself, but you have District 23. Yeah. What made you go for District 23? Interesting enough. When I did American studies and you learn all about you know what they call their areas they use the word district a lot so that was where that first bit came from and 23 was the age that I kind of wanted to have some sort of freelance career set up by which I did but also conveniently I was also living in a building that was number 23 at the time. Now we met didn't we at the Ipsy event but then I, I saw that you you had sort of entered the like the ipsy freelancer of the year awards and stuff previously and been in the final was like that the only award you've ever entered or is entering awards something that you do it's not something i do um that's the only award that i've entered solo-y on my own like i've won awards in the past for like magazine and newspaper work so that was you know more as a company-wide thing but doing ipsy on my own was more of a okay i've seen this is advertised i don't really know much about it but i'll apply anyway and see what happens and then i think this was it was before it got to the kind of level it is now where the freelancers that you see that apply and go on to be the finalists are incredibly talented like i'd, I'd have no chance of being a finalist now i don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you should put yourself down like that you know, you see some you see some people and I'm like, I've I've no idea how you would even do that. <laughs> yeah, but then I I would say that other people might look at you and say, well, you you know, you've got your freelance work and then you've learned all of this stuff about that has led you to building District Twenty Three, and the fact that you're helping freelancers and other people with the, the mental health challenges and talking about it, which is equally valuable, even though you might not put a price on each of those things. So yeah, I uh, so I still think you would. Oh well, thank you. 
what how how was the experience though of being involved in that so if if people don't know it that whole process involves like going in front of a judging panel and like going to an event in london and uh, you know like an awards event as well and things like that so it's a pretty big deal yeah it was really weird experience for me i've never done anything like that before so the day i went down for judging and you meet you know the finalists from the the Aspire category and the Inspire, whatever they're called, I can't remember. And you get all 15 of us in a room and it was just it was just so weird. And everybody's talking about all these things they've done or things they want to do. And you're sitting there and you kind of, as much as you feel like you're at home because you're with people who understand what you're doing, at the same time I was sitting there thinking, are we all just secretly eyeing each other up, trying to trip them down on their presentation that they've got to do? <laughs> but the actual day itself, that meeting each other initially was really good. The actual presentation was more like a Dragon's Den style. So that was kind of interesting. But again, the, the panel was lovely. It's not something that's my strong suit presentations. So that's at least one skill that I learned from doing it. And then the actual evening in the awards, yeah, that was a great night. There was such a buzz around it and everybody was so positive about freelancing. And yeah, it was just great to have so many different people in the room that were obviously creative in their own way. Have you been tempted to ever go like full-time freelance? All the time. I, all the time I'm like, I sit in my day job sometimes. I'm like, why Why am I here? Like, I could do this at home very easily. But every time I'm kind of ready to take that jump, something comes along and makes it impossible to happen at this very moment in time. So I think there will come a time when I will, and I have set a time frame for when I would like to hit that. But for now, I'm very happy kind of juggling what I am, and I'm very fortunate that I've got a job that allows me to do so. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, before we get on to the two truths and a lie thing, because I'm just conscious of the fact that, you know, you're you're obviously passionate about it because, you you know, you make the T-shirts and you speak about it and blog. And and there might be somebody listening to this who could benefit from 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 what you say. So like, is there anything else that you would say to somebody who who is perhaps hearing what you're saying about mental health and it's resonating with them in some way? I would just simply say that um, it doesn't, if you're struggling with mental health, whether that's depression, anxiety, whatever it is, you should never let it hinder you or let it slow you down and stop you from doing anything. Like I remember, actually, it was when we did my Ipsy Awards, that awards night, I was actually signed off sick for two weeks when I went down there because I was so stressed and so anxious, not about the awards or anything, just in general, I had been signed off sick for two weeks. And, you know, I was still able to go to London and I put myself completely out of my comfort zone and did this. And even though I felt rubbish when I was there, I still went and did it. And I think it's really important that people know that even though you may be struggling, like that's completely okay and you can turn it around and make something positive out of it. Like it can be an incredible driving force to actually make change, whether that's, you know, like me with a company or just. I don't know, really, but, you know, it shouldn't let you stop you from doing what you want to do. Nice. Yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Caitlin? Do you know how difficult this was? Because I'm normally a very good liar. But when you're asked to lie, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's find out. All right, then. So my first point is I carry my first piece of artwork from when I was five in my physical portfolio. I'm actually colorblind. And the final one is I was actually almost a teacher. <laughs> oh, now, okay. 
I think you said earlier that you were thinking about being a teacher. So when you say you were actually almost a teacher, is that because you actually applied for it or were learning it or? I applied for it. I got onto the course probably a month before I had to start and I had to turn around and say, nope, sorry, (laughs) give the place to somebody else. What would you have taught? I was actually going to do primary school, so little kids. Ah. I'd done all my work experience beforehand. Um, I wouldn't do it now, though. <laughs> You're colourblind. When did you find out you were colourblind? Uh, you can get it diagnosed from a very early age. So when people were saying, oh, do you not notice that's red? And I'm like, no, it looks like blue or it's got no colour in it at all. It looks grey. And how does that affect your design work? Or does it not make any difference I don't know. I've no idea how that works. And I imagine it works very different. And there's probably lots of different variations of it. Yeah, there's like two or three different variations of it. But if clients are asking for a particular color, I have to ask them to send me like a color swatch so I can color match it on Illustrator or Photoshop. Because sometimes they said, that's why have you sent me something that's pink when I asked for something that's purple? And I'm like, I can't tell the difference. Ah, you carry... A piece of artwork that you did when you were five in your physical portfolio. So if you go in for a job and you show them what you're capable of, that's still in there. What is it? It was a competition. I think it was a calendar competition when I was in primary school and we had to draw the high street that our school was on. So it's got like floating traffic lights and floating cars and houses that aren't even attached to a road. Oh, I love that idea. Oh, man, I hope that's true. I love the idea. And, and you know, if that picture itself doesn't even exist, you've crushed me. <laughs> teacher feels like it's true because I'm sure you said about being a teacher earlier on. Maybe you, maybe you accidentally said that and gave away your story, which means surely you're not colorblind. Although you, you gave a good response to that, which makes me think it's true. But you did say you're a good liar. So I'm going to say you're not colorblind. Correct. I'm not colorblind. Yes. By the way, I also love the fact that you said, I'm normally a really good liar, (laughs) like most people. Yeah, I've never seen it on someone's LinkedIn profile, for example. I'm a really good liar. I have a a phrase that I keep saying. It's like, I never lie except for when I'm lying. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, that's a difficult one because I still think I'm quite young. I would probably just say, like, don't compare yourself to others. Just do your own thing. Nice. Yeah. It's been really nice to speak to you, Caitlin. Go to beingfreelance.com and you will find links through to Caitlin's website, of course, and find her online, but also to District 23. So do go and uh, check out the cool designs. It's like the T-shirts, for example. Do you find people have, like, got in touch with you off the back of doing District 23? I get emails quite regularly about just stuff in general whether that's like oh how did you start a company or they just want general advice on how to start a business and I'm like you are completely asking the wrong person because I don't think I went about it the right way and then I've had people who've come up to me and said stuff like um oh no just even if I haven't bought your shirt or something like that but like seeing the statistics that you have on there and I feel completely normal and like I'm not alone and so it's really comforting to know that people are kind of responding to it even if they don't engage with it in the same way that I would want them to and you you blog on there as well don't you yeah i blog as well i do i do it all how have you found like the the blogging experience you know some people just do it for the sake of seo but i think it's probably beyond that right 
Yeah, it's much more than SEO. I don't even know what that is half the time, Steve. No, for me, blogging is like another just outlet of whether that's sharing my story or kind of how my mental health has affected maybe a client I've worked with that week or just in general for me, it's just documenting my progression as a freelancer and just me in general as a person. Like for me, that's just a record for me. If anybody else reads it, then great. But it's mainly for me. Go take a look. As I say, beamfreelance.com links through. And of course, there's um, over 150 episodes. So please do go, which almost sounds overwhelming now, but go find wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you have hit subscribe and get the latest episodes when they come out. But also delve back through the archive. You can also search at beingfreelance.com. There's also the vlog where I document my freelance week. So you can uh, see what I get up to as a freelancer. I would love it if you go check that out. And of course, if you have enjoyed this, do take the opportunity, if you can, to leave a review. Do you know, uh, Kaylin, only recently did I find, I was at an event and I found that there's a way to find rev- i've only ever read reviews that have been written in the uk and somebody was saying oh no there's a website and you can get reviews from, from like all over the world i was and then suddenly people in sweden have like but like somebody wrote something really nice in australia three years ago and i've never been able to send them a thank you message if that was you thank you i i only recently realized of course there's lots of different countries itunes stores so there's all these reviews i didn't know i ever got so yeah leave a review but of course the, the share as well if you've enjoyed this or you enjoy the other stuff that i'm doing please do share it be it online or in person when you meet freelancers that way as well but for now caitlin thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you for having me steve <laughs>